By the way, I stabbed a guy with a brick. How crazy is that? Turns out it's not that hard. This is the nine days of Fast and Furious. to the nine days of Fast and Furious, Monkey Off My Backlog's first limited series. I'm your host, Tessa Suela, and with me is Sam Morris, as always, and our special guest, friend of the pod, two-time Fast and Furious limited series guest, Megan Spell of the On the Download podcast. How are you doing today, Megan? Woo, I'm good. Uh, I'm thrilled to be back. Uh, I'm I'm pretty flattered. Uh, I mean, I talk a lot about the Fast and Furious franchise, but to be brought on to talk about Fast Five and mid-episode be invited to come back to talk about the entire series. I mean, my brand is strong, and I feel like that's been uh, indicated here. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you can you can like be like I, I was on this twice. That is yes. that is how much of a fan I am of this franchise. Yes, and I actually think that can go in my resume, and all these things will be just like, you know, I am a scholar of the Fast and the Furious. That's right. I definitely think you're the, the Fast and Furious champion, and, and perhaps, perhaps that does entitle you to also call yourself the people's champion. Do you have any updates on your uh, your holiday watch list so far? Have you watched anything new holiday-wise, done anything else holiday-related? I'm trying to think. Not really. I've been thinking a lot about trees. It's a little t- probably too late in the season. My parents have been sending me pictures of their tree, which is huge. And I'm having tree envy because it's my favorite scent. Um, but I have some friends who are allergic to tree sap. So then I'm sitting around going like, well, like long term, am I going to be a person who gets real trees or should I get a fake tree? If I get a fake tree, should I commit to that now? I'm not making any decisions. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like a hard debate. I I love the smell of real trees, but man, is it so much easier to set up a fake tree? Right, and I mean, as someone who would have to drag a tree up and down a industrial warehouse set of stairs in my apartment, it's, it's not very appealing. I'll be honest. <laughs> Well, I, I, I want, I'm very proud of this. I saved this for the last episode, but I am wearing my favorite Christmas sweater. I, I will stand up so Megan can see it. Right. Podcasting is a visual medium. Oh, okay. Do you want me to explain it? Yes, if you'd like. <laughs> so uh, it's uh, Darth Vader wearing a Santa hat. And then there's some nice, I'm going to say like little patterns on the side of different spaceships. I am not super deep on Star Star Wars lore, but you can probably tell me which spaceships are which on the sleeves. Um. <laughs> I was actually today years old when I discovered that one of the things that I thought was just a random pattern is actually a bunch of TIE fighters right at the top. Oh, yes. So, yeah. TIE fighters. That's those what are, it is. Those are TIE fighters. And then the back. A Merry Sithmas? Is that what it says? That's it. That's it. Beautiful. Merry Sithmas. Yeah. So until this year, actually, we almost every single year would do either a partial or a full rewatch because we our holidays are just not complete without marathons. Like, I know yeah. this Fast and Furious thing seems like it's just a good excuse to do Fast uh, and Furious, but we just we like to do marathons. We just love them. Yeah. I think a lot of people do around the holidays. I have friends who always do Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter. I mean, uh, lots of different series that you can binge at the holidays when you have free time. Yeah, I I just think it's a very cozy activity and it's fun and nostalgic to revisit a favorite property. But yeah, almost almost every year we've done a Star Wars rewatch of some kind. And last year, because we knew that Rise of Skywalker was going to be the last film, at least for a while... 
no comment on the quality of Rise of Skywalker. We, we you actually... want to start a fight on the internet? <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we actually watched all of them. We watched every single one. We, it took us two days. And we watched all of them, and I, I I got this sweater because I just loved it so much, and because it just ma- reminds me of those those crazy crazy rewatches. <laughs> all right, Sam. I, I, I'll just say really really quickly that we released a Monkey Nights episode. <laughs> it's our, it was recorded like two weeks ago, from the time we we're recording this on the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special that's on Disney Plus. We actually, that's our... I watched it. Yeah, that was our first <laughs> Monkey Nights that we recorded. I think it's going to be the third one we're going to release. But I am definitely on the record in that episode going to town on how much I hate Rise of Skywalker. So, I mean, <laughs> if, if a fight is going to start guys... on the internet, it's already started by the time this episode drops. <laughs> We're not gonna. We're not gonna spend too much time on this. I think. I feel like we went ha- a half hour long on Fast Five, so I don't want to set the precedent that I talk for too long. But are you guys? You like Last Jedi? You Last Jedi people? We both did. We really did, and I think that was our problem with Rise of Skywalker is they really burned a lot of those characters that had so much potential. I'm in the exact. I'm in the exact same bridge. The, those last three just feel like two people playing tug of war on what they want to happen, yeah. and I. I very much liked. Last Jedi best. <laughs> Huge Mandalorian fans, though. We've been really enjoying that so far. Yes, you have the child on the tree behind yes. you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sam, it is time for our very last, our final podcast within a podcast, Sam's Holiday Cocktail. Sam, did you actually make a holiday cocktail for this final podcast within a podcast? Well, I think that the magic of Christmas is inside us. So I will stand by what I said, whichever episode I said it, that any cocktail is a holiday cocktail if you have holiday spirit. And I have some holiday spirit in this glass right now. So sure, I made a holiday cocktail. And just to be clear, when she says it's the last episode, it's the last episode. It is certainly not my last holiday cocktail. (laughs) Now, uh, <laughs> nope, this is it. You're cut off afterwards. Uh, well, well, if that's true, <laughs> I went out on a high note. I went classic. I made a Manhattan. This is this is very very easy. It's two ounces of rye, one ounce of sweet vermouth. Get Dolan or don't bother. You need some some Angostura bitters. You stir those together, and you throw in a Luxardo cherry, not a maraschino cherry, a Luxardo. Maraschino cherry, except no substitute. And finally, if there's one thing that you've taken away from this podcast within a podcast, if it has citrus in it, not as a garnish, as a juice, if it has citrus, you shake it. If it does not, you stir it. Do not listen to what James Bond tells you ever. I learned this last last episode, so I, I'm feeling very knowledgeable man... about bruising alcohol and such. <laughs> if, a, if a man in tuxedo comes up to you and tells you to bruise alcohol, you say no. And also because of the Manhattan, shout out to our friend Chris, who taught us how to make Manhattans. Yeah, sure. we're, we're, we miss yeah. you this holiday season, buddy. All right. This has been our podcast with a podcast, Sam's Holiday Cocktail. All right, Sam. We're, we're shooting back to you. We're back to me already. Could you summarize this final film, which is not part of the mothership? It is Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Love it. So dramatic. Love it. It is. It's very. Um, 
like like an old fashioned theater where they have to tell you like well, who produced it and who's like sponsoring it. Like, right. It sounds like a sponsorship. Right. And I'm just absolutely convinced that whatever next side quill they make, it, they will not stylize as Fast and Furious presents because there is no integrity with how they name these oh, movies. That is absolutely <laughs> true. It'll probably be like two Hobbs, two Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> Hobbs and Shaw present a Vanessa Kirby spinoff. <laughs> well, I, I think if there's one thing that's clear, I don't think there's ever going to be another Hobbs and Shaw based spinoff. I think... I don't know. I don't. I don't think we can. I don't think we can. I don't think we can conclusively say that. I, <laughs> Who's to say? Well, I'll tell you. I'll take a spinoff of Ryan Reynolds and Kevin Hart doing it. But but I digress. Oh, I don't know if we can afford that. All right. So here we go. Hattie Shaw, MI6 agent, protects Snowflake from Etion by injecting herself with it. You have already violated the prime directive of action movies. I read you a sentence that summarizes the first several minutes of the film. It's way too much for the entire movie. But hold on, I'm not done yet. Cyborg, super soldier, Brixton lore, falsely doxes Hattie. Hobson Shaw to the rescue, I guess. I don't know why. Uh, hijinks ensue. They go to Chernobyl to get the extraction device. They go to Samoa to get Hobbs's brother to fix the extraction device because, well, you know why. Because if you're a car mechanic, you can fix medical devices. <laughs> if 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 we guys if we haven't determined we haven't established that by <laughs> movie let's, nine. Let's... I mean, there's people who used to like put spoilers on cars in miami that are now like the second best hackers in the right world. you know uh, let's just all relax i mean like okay if i'm hobbs i'm like you know toretto and tedge could really like save our skin here. nope more hijinks on samoa brixton lore is the weakest link goodbye family jazz hands I love your bullet point summaries of these movies. I'm going to miss them for sure after we're done. I, I just want you to bullet point summarize uh, everything. You, now. you live with me. I can do that anytime you want. After each movie, I'm going to be like, all right, bullet point summary. We'll fill in the details later. So I'm just going to say it. This was not my favorite. Uh, I didn't, no, I didn't enjoy this very much. In fact, I found myself kind of zoning out during some of the action scenes. And I don't think it was because I watched all of the other ones this week. I like legitimately think this movie is on a different level than the others. So, so Megan, I'm going to ask you, why is this movie bad? Like, why does this not live up to the others? This is simple. They're ha like, they had too much fun with it. Like, they took out the melodrama. They took out, like... And they're like, oh, it'll just be like a fun action movie. And I'm like, it's just kind of like a an okay action movie. But if you take out like the things that we arguably care about, like, you know, I don't really care about this side group of characters, nothing against them. But I'm like, like, I'm invested in Dom and, you know, Paul Walker's family and Mia and Letty and all that stuff. As dumb as it is, I know. But I'm like, you know, just because you show me that The Rock has a daughter and that she's around sometimes doesn't mean that I'm invested because you don't seem like a real human. 
And then even like, I mean, again, I think they were entertaining scenes, but like throwing in like Kevin Hart and Ryan Reynolds, it just seems very pandering and like not in the way that I want it to be. Like, I'm like, I like Fast because it's like a soap opera. And like, this is not a soap opera. And then the other thing is, now that we've made it this far, I can spoil the full Fast and Furious series on this episode, correct? Yes, I've we, seen all of them. And and, and we have seen I the will trailer. Never f- we've seen the trailer, so we know <laughs> right. the thing. Okay. Okay, yeah. So this is what I was going to say. I had not seen the trailer when I saw this. Y- you will never get me on Jason Statham's side. He killed Han. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> so I said this. I said this last night. As soon as it was terrible writing in Fate of the Furious, when they just accepted him, there is no way in the world they should have, nor would they have. No, I mean, like, yeah, no. that's the thing that breaks the reality of the series. But what I said last yes, night, and that's why I don't like eight either. <laughs> I like eight fine. I, I like it more than this. But so what I said last night was after they made that choice, as writers and actors, I knew Han was not dead. I knew that Shaw pulled him out of the car, and that's just what we're going to uh-huh. see. Well, they had well, to, because otherwise, yeah, we'd never forgive, and we would be right to. And but the thing is, like, even we're supposed to believe that they would all forgive them, and I think it's because I think that's purely like Hollywood being like, well, they liked when The Rock joined their team, you know, so we'll do the same thing with Jason Statham. And I'm like, you're not listening to what we want. If he killed Han, we will never forgive him. He can be the bad guy forever for all I care. He doesn't need to join the team. We have enough Jason Stathams. I want a Han. (laughs) (laughs) Give us Han back. We'll trade Jason Statham for him. Well, and to be fair, they are. Yeah, yeah, that is true. That is true. So, I mean, that kind of gets us to the drama that's behind this particular installment um, which I didn't know about really until I watched eight and then we were talking about it and I kind of looked up some things but apparently they uh, some of the producers really liked the interactions between the rock and Jason Statham in eight which to be fair Mm -hmm. they have some funny moments in eight like they they work they they do work together in bits I think like if you have and I and I really like the Jason Statham with the baby on the airplane gag. But like, I like it for two minutes, you know, like that's not, a, you can't build a whole movie on that. Like that's a, you know, a moment of relief. Yeah. And so like, they apparently saw this thought, oh, they'd be cool together in a movie. And then decided like, had talked to the rock had talked to Jason Statham had basically made it a done deal before Vin Diesel and the rest of the crew found out. And of course, Vin Diesel and the rest of the crew felt like they were being supplanted. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez has said some things about this, like how it's kind of a betrayal of the of the franchise and all of that stuff. I I read that Tyrese had some words too. Yeah. So apparently, like this was not a popular decision, especially with Vin Diesel, who is a producer on this on this franchise. And so because of that, yes, and should yes, be yes, of course. <laughs> I mean, it is really his franchise more than anyone else's at this point. But he, so he did some things on the set of, of eight that to, to show his displeasure, including canceling some scenes that the rock was supposed to be in. He didn't show up to production one day. And so that's caused kind of some bad blood between Vin Diesel and the rock and Jason Statham. And so that's part of why this movie exists. I think the way that it does so separate from the rest of the universe. I wonder if they were on better terms with Vin Diesel, if we would have seen him in a couple of scenes or seen some of the other characters. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I think it's pretty, you know, everyone kind of knows that The Rock and Vin might have differing opinions on some of this. But um, I mean, it this like Hobbs and Shaw specifically to me seems like a cash grab. And like, I understand that studios have to make money. But I'm like, the Fast and Furious movies make money as they are. You don't need to keep escalating. And, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, now that you've seen all of them. I do want them to keep escalating, but you don't have to sell out, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess that that's, that is the way it is. Sam, what, what did you think about why, why does this movie not work for you? Do you have anything to add? No, I, I think you guys hit it pretty well. It's just not, as I said, it, it violates all the cardinal rules of good action movies. I don't care about the characters. There's too much plot. Those are the two things that you cannot do if you want a good action movie. Special effects and actual, it seems weird, action is not what makes a good action movie. That's like the baseline. The thing that actually makes an effective action movie is you care about the characters and it's, it's, a, it's a plot that's entertaining, soapy, whatever you want to call it. And that's what the Fast and Furious franchise, except for this movie, does so well. I was going to say, I didn't actually recognize it as a Fast and Furious film at some points. It didn't have all of the DNA of a Fast and Furious film. In fact, I just kept, I actually said this while watching it. I said, if I wanted to watch a Transporter movie, I would go watch a Transporter movie. Like, that's actually what this sort of felt like. It felt like a Jason Statham. He, Jason Statham is kind of an 80s style action throwback in some ways. And it felt like one of the, his films just with The Rock. Yeah, and they're definitely doing that more. I mean, Idris Elba to me seems like very throwbacky in that way. I mean, like, you know, partially <laughs> mechanical man, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Although Idris Elba's uh, no. watch, though. That's true. Oh, no, I wasn't mad he was there. I'm just saying <laughs> kind of a funny role. It, it felt a little dated in that way. But no, I agree with you. And I mean, obviously, you know, we've talked a lot about the family and it is important. But like in Hobbs and Shaw they're like oh but it's like his literal sister and I'm like no it's about like your found family too like I know that Mia is literally Dom's sister but it's more than that you know like it's like the bonds and like you have to have those moments where people are just looking into each other's eyes being like no I love you (laughs) and like not romantically even and then the other thing that I thought was just so ridiculous is like Vanessa Kirby, like, and, uh, like, The Rock. I'm like, there's, I don't see any chemistry here. No. And she's great. Um, I think she's so good in, uh, Mission Impossible 2, or Mission Impossible also, uh, Mission Impossible 6. But, <laughs> uh, I think, <laughs> I think she, I think she's really good. And I think, I don't know, there's, I think there's a lot of things that, like, on its face are entertaining in this. But it just doesn't come together as anything worth worth watching for me. We were talking about this a little before we started recording, but I do enjoy how Helen Mirren and Vanessa Kirby basically are doing their best Jason Statham accent impressions to try to pretend that they're all a family. Like Helen Mirren doesn't talk like that. Uh, Vanessa Kirby yeah, doesn't talk like that. <laughs> Jason Statham does, and so like it's just it's funny to me, especially since as you mentioned, Luke Evans has no trace of an accent. 
yeah, they, he doesn't even, he doesn't even prepare. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess he has an accent, but not, he's not doing what they're all doing. It's funny. Uh, this is, yeah, I, I don't have that much insightful stuff to say about Hobbs and Shaw, really, because it's definitely, I mean, I consider it part of the, the group as a whole, but I, it just seems like an excuse to be like, well, we need to keep the rock, but him and Vin aren't really like vibing. So we'll just kind of spin this off so that they can, we can have kind of two successful franchises uh, in tandem. Okay. Tessa, I know that you have some James Bond thoughts, which I think are ironic. So I'm going to drop some knowledge on you. I want to know what are your James Bond thoughts? So uh, my James Bond thought, I mean, and this is putting aside the whole Idris Elba, James Bond situation, but there, there's a few scenes in this film where his character Br- Brixton—that's that's the character's name. I also did not know any of the characters' names by the end of this movie. I was—I actually had to look up. What Doesn't matter. Curry's name was. <laughs> so I had no idea. You, when he was giving the recap, he said Hattie Shaw. I'm like, oh, that was her name. <laughs> so, uh, so Brixton, the cyborg super soldier—that's sort of the enemy. He's actually working for like this shadowy like cyber eco terrorism group etion it just looks like eaton to me anyway um no that's a prep school. I, I know that's a prep school but that's what it looks like to me Any- you got britain on the brain <laughs> so <laughs> he's working for this shadowy organization which of course you should immediately think of bond when you ever you think of you know spies working for shadowy organizations but there's even he like he's he's getting modified a couple times in the, in this film which again I don't know why we're watching that it had nothing to do with the plot but as he's getting modified he's talking to someone and theoretically this someone is someone who's in charge of the organization or is high up in the organization and their voice is disguised in a way that sounds very much like Kylo Ren from Star Wars bringing it back to the Star Wars thing he sounds like Adam Driver that's that that is actually what he sounds like but it really reminded me especially of the early Bond films like Doctor No and the Sean Connery era where we would get all these smaller villains that were talking to what would eventually end up being Blofeld, but it was always like via radio or on the phone. It just kind of had some very serious like throwback Bond vibes. And I know we talked about Bond a lot on this series. I'm sorry. I had no idea that Bond was going to be such an important part of Fast and Furious, but here we are. Well, I'm not sure that there's a bigger action franchise than Bond and Fast and Furious. I think those are the trying to think what the I'd say I'd say Mission Impossible. Right, those are yeah, your I'd top say Mission three Impossible's right there. up there. Right? How top would, 3. How I'm trying to think. Bond is number 1 oh, just gosh. because it's been around since the 60s. I mean, it it That's so funny cuz immediately I'm like, Bond hit or miss. Mission Impossible's all good. <laughs> but see, I agree with that. I I absolutely agree with that. I think that Tom Cruise Good or bad, and there's so much bad. But yeah, but consistent. But dude knows what he's doing. <laughs> well, he knows exactly what he's doing, and he knows what I want. He's not on the internet anymore. He's just like, <laughs> I'll just give you. He a, just appears with a, a movie, Mission Impossible movie, yeah. and I'm like, thank you, Tom. Back to your hole. <laughs> <laughs> I think we were talking about some authors earlier that we would appreciate doing the same thing. Yes, but yes. I, I technically Mission Impossible has been around since the '60s too, because of the television show that it's based on. No Tom Cruise. I've never seen the television show. Right. So I I do think those are the top three action franchises of all time. I apologize to Die Hard. Maybe you should have made better fourth and fifth installments. 
Or I think maybe you should hand it over. Here's my hot take. Maybe you should hand it over. I think John Wick's on the way. Yes, it is. I think we'll keep getting John Wick's, and I think that'll be a big one. You are you are correct. Although if they hand Die Hard over to Charlize Theron, every single bet is off. Now, right. One more. Well, then Charlize has got like two two of the big four. You know, I mean, we got to get her in the next Mission Impossible. (laughs) So, by the way, Oscar nominated Tom Cruise. By the way. Um, so sorry. Rude of me. Oscar winner, Charlize that's Theron. That's right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I think 2021 is going to be the year of Magnolia for you, Tassar. Uh-huh. Anyway. Okay. So it's interesting that you mentioned Bond to drag it all the way around to that. So we have to suffer through the man with the golden gun next in our Bond rewatch. But after that, we get to one of the shining glories of the franchise, The Spy Who Loved Me, which is where we get... If you're a Love Actually fan, this is the payoff to the joke. Even Ringo married a Bond girl, right? Barbara Bach, Spy Love Me. But the other thing that we get out of that movie is Jaws, a villain who is known for having a grill. Before grills were cool, he had a grill in his teeth. And as soon as I saw Idris Elba's little cyborg grill down in his bottom, I was like, this is Jaws. That's what this is. We're homaging, to use it as a verb, Bond. And I don't really know if that was on purpose. People certainly haven't taken to it on the internet that I can tell. But So Idris Elba's played the villain, but I guess we'll talk about that more later. <laughs> I was going to say, you, you said that didn't really make a splash on the internet. I feel like nothing about Hobbs and Shaw really made a splash. I feel like, you know, I definitely was there opening weekend, and then it was kind of like, okay, well, uh, when when are we getting that trailer for nine? Yeah, when did the cars come back? <laughs> yeah, at the very least, what yeah. about Deadpool? Yeah. Deadpool, Deadpool's Gosh. the voice. Like, Ryan Reynolds plays two characters in this movie. Yeah. yeah, and his well, actually his character uh, who again I do not remember his name. I he's, wait, just, wait, he's wait, wait. just Deadpool. Does he play one character? Ooh, his his CIA friend is actually the the voice behind ET. Yes, that would be that'd be a crazy. I voice. was I was gonna ask I was gonna ask who you guys thought it was because I have two theories. Ooh, I want to hear your theory because he says he knows Hobbs <laughs> or she. Cypher? I guess is it Cipher? Cypher's one of my guesses, okay. and then uh, and then Kurt Russell, uh, just because I love me some Kurt Russell. <laughs> yeah, no, that'd be a solid twist. Turns out, Mister Nobody is actually Snake, and it's like a. I I mean, I was I was so excited. I, we're just gonna keep flashing back to the last episode that we talked about, but you guys were like, "This is ridiculous." They just have unlimited resources, and when Mister Nobody shows up, and he's like, "Just car, you want it." Tell me, we got it. Like just being like, no, literally, I'm putting it on screen. Me, Kurt Russell, esteemed actor, will stand here in front of the camera and tell the audience they can have whatever they want. So now you guys can't be like, how'd they get this car? It's because I'm here and I said yeah. so. <laughs> yeah, no, the the Mister Nobody hookup definitely works really, really well. That would be interesting, or maybe it is the the Ryan Reynolds. What did you think about date? So right. it's David Leach. Is it Leach or Lech? Leach? I think Leach. David Leach pulls in Ryan Reynolds, who worked with him on Deadpool 2, of course. And basically, Ryan Reynolds is playing Deadpool. Like, he's playing Wade Wilson, but without the suit. How did we feel about that? Right. I think Ryan Reynolds Reynolds has kind of gotten into such a, like, niche zone where it's like, now everyone wants to cast him as Ryan Reynolds. Even as, like, 
Detective Pikachu he was doing Ryan Reynolds, you know? Like, he's more of a personality now than, like, a character actor, really. So so did they those, so, that's did my those scenes work for you, or did they belong in a different movie? Like, they were funny. It felt... But... They were funny, but, like, I don't know. At that point, I was like, you know what? I'm, I already kind of can tell that this isn't my Fast and Furious movie. So, like, you're allowed to do these shenanigans here, but if you bring this into the main, I'm going to be unhappy. Uh, so have your fun here, guys. <laughs> okay. I, I, I'm sure we're not done talking about Ryan Reynolds yet, but but I do have a question for you, Megan. Have you seen the movie Central Intelligence Agency? I'm like actually having to think That's about the, it. That's the Rock Kevin Hart movie. <laughs> right. I think no. Oh, gosh. I think no. But there's a lot of movies that just I see and wash entirely over me and then are gone forever from my consciousness. I'm going to say no. Yeah, because I, I, I really want to know, like, is a Kevin Hart rock movie good, or is it just going to be this for an hour and a half plus? Well, I've seen Jumanji, which is more of a an ensemble. Right. Brian uh, Karen Gillan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Karen Gillan. Oh, man. If she was in these, that would work. Yeah. Well, we, we all need agree. One more, that we would need work. one more character, I think, for it to, to yeah, be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Karen Gillan would be great. Speaking of which, I actually, so the best part of the movie for me, and this might just be like me and my, the way that I want to watch movies, but the best part of this movie for me wasn't, was barely touched and barely explored. And that was this group that they meet halfway through the movie that Shaw introduces them to of these Russian women gangsters who like. Mm-hmm. apparently just like steal from everybody according to Shaw and like shake down mobsters and like supply them with everything that they need. I want to spin off about and they're immediately them. gone. Like, yeah, I know. And then they were gone. I want to spin off about them. I want to fast and furious presents female Russian mobsters do crime. Like that's what I want. Fast and furious presents Hobbs and Shaw featuring Russian mob women. Yeah. I mean, like seriously, to me, that was the most interesting part. Like, it very much felt like. I, again, I'm sorry. I'm going to go back to Bond. It felt like uh, Pussy Galore and her her band of female pilots who she kind of trains to do yeah. crime. Like to me, that's what it felt like, and that's what I actually wanted. I was like, you can't have bits that are more interesting than the main storyline. Like, if you have bits that are more interesting than the main storyline, I don't care about your storyline anymore. I want you this movie to be about them instead. But almost all of it is more interesting than the main storyline because the main storyline here is just so, so, so boring. <laughs> and like Vanessa Kirby does sell it, but like for us to immediately be like, oh, we have to keep her alive, like, I don't know. You're asking us to do a lot of thinking. <laughs> and I'm here to watch a Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> I I just listen and I know not three days ago to your listeners I was saying Fast and Furious they can do whatever they want I'm not going to question it but we cannot pretend Vanessa Kirby and Jason Statham were children at the same time come (laughs) on yeah I I definitely it was supposed to be one of my fast facts so you'll get a freebie one Uh, but he is playing a character that's supposed to be two years older than her character he is 26 years older than she is man 26 is definitely right. a Hollywood three, not a Hollywood two. Do better, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so the may. last thing I want to talk about with Hobbs and Shaw before we do our fast facts, furious stats, and then move on to talk about the franchise as a whole 
is the the other only interesting part of the film to me was them going back to Samoa because the rock is of course Samoan American and this is obviously something that's really important to him and he and Jason Statham did produce this movie together so I assume that this was a a rock influence decision anyway what did we think about moving this into that territory? Um, because I thought that was interesting because we've done international stuff before, but we haven't done something that was like, this is my my heritage. This is where I came from. Yeah, I liked it. I liked that too. And I think that's the closest it got to feeling like a Fast and Furious movie for me. I think they just, it's just, an, <laughs> there's a disconnect between like the movie they're making and like this plot and setting because basically they had to be like oh well these guns are so high tech that we can actually turn them all off and then it's just gonna be a street fight you know and I'm like okay I understand that you guys had to make it so that we're on more even footing because otherwise how would this group of locals have any you know chance against this huge tech company but like it's just a little convenient isn't it (laughs) yeah I I found myself really wishing more of the movie took place in Samoa because I wanted to see more of these like I wanted to see more development of the brother I wanted to see more development of the mom like I would yep. have rather had that. And that's a beautiful scene when the sun's coming up and, they, you know, they're they're getting ready for the fight. Like, that's, that's you know, very well done. And, like, the kind of stuff that I'm, like, you, too forgiving about in Fast and Furious is, like, oh, The Rock is holding on to a truck that's falling off a cliff, basically. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm fine with that. But then, <laughs> like, that's – but then when they're, like, okay, the only way to fight <laughs> Idris Elba is for one of us to – take a punch while one of us punches teamwork i'm like oh vey come on guys <laughs> but we do get cars in samoa which i think is we do get cars because that's of where course. this movie does its best it work. is fast and furious we get the nos <laughs> they all use the nos that was cool mm-hmm. but yeah although I like driving that. in sandals i like the car stuff i don't know driving in sandals I mean, it's funny that I like these movies so much. I drive a Subaru SUV. Uh, I'm not a car person. You drive the brand of the car that is featured prominently in the film. (laughs) Yes. uh, It's not... uh, I think it's I think it's Mission Impossible where they're all Audis, right? I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's Iron Man. I'm there's messing like up. My, half the, there's a good half a dozen times in the series. series. I'm like, that's a WRX. That's the car my dad wanted. <laughs> yeah. All right. I only have three fast facts for this film because honestly, I couldn't find any that were more interesting than these three. So here we go. Fast fact number one: in the movie, Idris Elba says that he is Black Superman. It was featured very prominently in the the advertising for it, etc. The script actually called for him to say that he was a black James Bond, which fits into what we were talking about earlier. But Idris Elba refused to say it because of all of the controversy surrounding him being cast as James Bond. So he turned it into Black Superman. And to date, as of December 15th, 2020, he still has not been cast as James Bond. Or perhaps he has. And they can't announce it until No Time for Die comes out, which most unfortunate titled movie of 2020. (laughs) Turns out there's plenty of time left to die. Um, For theaters. (laughs) (laughs) So fast fact number two. 
The Rock actually tried to, speaking of people that tried to get other people into the film, The Rock actually tried to get Jason Momoa for the role of his brother, but scheduling did not work out. But he said, maybe next movie. Maybe he has more than one brother. Maybe he does, no? and maybe one of them is Aquaman. <laughs> and, and maybe and, Who's to say? And, and maybe that, that character knows a character played by Zoe Kravitz or Lisa Bonet. Or, or... Lenny Kravitz. Ooh, Zoe Kravitz would be really good in the Fast franchise. She'd be really good in this. I one time heard someone on a podcast say Janelle Monae would be really good in this too, so that's another one that I think about. And, um, oh gosh, John Cho I think would be really good like FBI agent in this series. I think a lot about yes, this. Yes to all of what you just said. <laughs> all of that would watch would watch and my last fast fact this is more of a pop culture reference especially since megan came onto our podcast to talk about something very similar to this a few weeks ago the uh brixton suit like the the black leather cyborg suit the super soldier suit you know what i'm talking about that that idris elba is wearing exactly (laughs) has a few symbols on it and one of them is the symbol for the wayland corporation which is featured prominently in the series alien Ooh, from the Nostromo. Oh. <laughs> so, that was a fun Ooh. Easter egg. Did, right. you, did you see the that did is you see fun. That Noah Hawley's doing an alien series next year? I did. Interesting. I don't watch Fargo, so I don't have huge takes on Noah Hawley, but I I mean I'll watch it because now that I'm caught up on Alien. <laughs> I watched three since we last recorded. Oh nice. We nice. can go into that another time. <laughs> I still haven't seen the next one, so I'm excited. I need to catch up. Sam, for, yeah. what are the furious stats for this movie? All right. So the budget for this movie, if you're not Vin Diesel, you don't get $250 million. You only get 200 for this movie, which is fitting because unlike Fate of the Furious, which made $98 million domestic its first week, this one only took in 60 Total box office, Fate of the Furious, $1.2 billion with a B, Hobbs and Shaw, $759 million with an M. Top five of the weekend it was released. Hobbs and Shaw did beat out Beyonce and The Lion King. Also beat out Tarantino, Pitt, and DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Also beat out the kind of MCU with Spider-Man Far From Home. And also beat out Forky and Keanu Reeves and Tom Hanks and Bo Peep in in Toy Story 4. That was a weekend. Man, I forgot how many of those films came out. I was going to say, I mean, I feel like Toy Story would have been out for a little bit. Oh, yeah. It would have been on on the (laughs) downslope at that point. I think Once Upon a Time wasn't making a whole lot of money. Um, it made money over time. Uh, Spider-Man, I believe, was also on the downhill slope. Yeah. So I think... Because that would have come out in on July. In July. I think it came out around the 4th. Right. And it's funny. Like, we've lost all concept of, like, box office things. Like, you know, like, picking <sighs> your spot so you have, like, a week or two cleared out for you. And then the next one comes along. You know, remember all that? That was fun. It's one of my favorite things to think about. Right? I used to love just like <laughs> being like, oh, they're going up against Spider-Man in week two? Bold. <laughs> right. It's like it's like all this, you know, it's funny we call it inside baseball because 
I think it applies to so many more things than baseball now. Like it should be like inside movie executive dumb. I also think, you know, like this kind of stuff, I, I think I a lot of people find interesting and I've found interesting for a while. But I feel like as like Marvel movies and stuff like that have become more mainstream, more people are aware of like box offices right. and things like that and release schedules because, you know, people will be like, oh, well, people will know off the back of their hand like, oh, uh, Black Panther at the time was the highest grossing film released in February, you know, of whatever the stats were. And I'm like. I, people who I wouldn't think know that know that like people at work will be like oh have you seen this I heard it was you know uh global top box office and I'm like oh you're very plugged in Greg yeah. <laughs> I, I I think there's like a whole if not an episode an entire if not an entire series an episode just talking about like how all this stuff is going to change not just because of you know who survives in terms of theatrical chains after 2020 but also kind of the consolidation that's also happened in in the interim i was on the phone with my mom today and she was like so explain this for me every movie that's coming out next year is also coming out on hbo and i was like okay we gotta roll this way back we gotta roll i'm like every warner brothers movie is coming out on hbo max and like and then i'm like day and date she's like what's day and date i'm like okay here we go so and then i mean a very patient family members but it ended up with me going on for 20 minutes about how we'll still be able to go to the theater to see star wars and marvel movies and we'll We'll still be able to watch indie movies at home, but like, where are we going to watch, like, you know, the dunes of the world? And she's like, okay, I'll talk to you later. Uh, So, uh, you know. All I know is December 25th of next year, I better be in a theater with Chalamet being gesticulated wildly at by your friend and mine, friend of the podcast, Saoirse Ronan. If, if I say it, it enough times. Can you imagine like Stamos and Ronan together? Like a imagine just That's a very a strange energy. I mean Chalamet is still there <laughs> flopping like a Muppet. Okay. I think that Saoirse Ronan and Timothy Chalamet need to make one movie every year together. I don't even care what it's about. I they think have that's, to be together. In I a think movie. that's like I think that's like uh a right, like a global right, you right. know? <laughs> it's like it's like the 2010s rule where every movie you contractually must have either Domhnall Gleeson or Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac. So, or both. Right. Ex Machina, excellent Ed, movie. See? Star Wars trilogy, excellent movie. I mean, <laughs> um, Last Jedi. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into this. We'll get into this another time. <laughs> uh, we were supposed to have a Saoirse Ronan and Timothy Chalamet this year, and it just, you know, we it's COVID nineteen takes everything from us. Know, they cannot take that Little Women gift from me, though. That is, <laughs> we'll keep that watching. Is my favorite little favorite women. scene in all of cinema. Where she uh, yells like, "What, what gift I, do you like?" I can't. I can't. I, like, I tried uh, it, and I'll and I watch. Can't. <laughs> <laughs> there's uh i use a lot where he says and i'll watch because anytime oh, something embarrassing happens they're like oh you know uh chris pine is making a dungeons and dragons movie and i'll watch <laughs> it is clear we want to talk about anything but this movie Apparently. um <laughs> we can go back to fear fast and actually I was also earlier, I was going to go on a tangent and be like, who do you guys want to play Bond? But, you know, I'm the guest. I shouldn't be derailing Well, it's Idris like Elba. I mean, like, I'll take it. I, I mean, like, mm-hmm. that's, 
I think the cardinal rule of Bond is it does need to be a, a UK person. So I, I think mm-hmm. that rules out a whole lot of people. I have another... I have another that I like, but I think they're too young. So I'm gonna Ooh. I'm gonna put some time on it, and maybe like in 20 years, like some Dev Patel, I think would be yeah, pretty dope. Be you know, there is one person I would accept who is not from the United Kingdom, and we've talked about her already on this podcast. Charlize Theron. I knew. You're- <laughs> oh, see, I was thinking. Uh, so I this was a tweet. This is not from me personally, but as soon as I saw it, I was like, I would watch this movie. Janelle Monae plays Bond, mm. but she also plays the Bond girl and the Bond villain. She could do all of it. Okay. Yeah, if like, you're going to go American, I so. I that mean, is the correct choice. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, we we have also Karen Gillum. She's Scottish, but it counts. Yeah, well, Daniel Craig, I mean, <laughs> Sean Connery is Scottish, yeah. so I mean, the original Exactly, OG exactly. Bond. It's allowed. All right. It's allowed. <laughs> all right, let's, let's wind up our running total. So we've had nine Fast and Furious movies, including this one. We have had nine specific references to Corona. So I think the Corona beer thing is totally overhyped in this this franchise. Like it's <laughs> it's it's an unfair stereotype. There are plenty of other beers mentioned in this movie. Now, the family thing though, gotta tell you. So in this film, we did our best to keep up. We think there are four. One or two may have slipped by. But actual mentions of family, there is Hobbes' daughter's family tree. There is uh, Shaw's mention of the family business. Shaw also taunts The Rock. Sorry. Shaw, I say The the Rock in my notes. Shaw also talks about family um, before Hobbes says, I know a place. And they go to Samoa. Um, And then finally, Ryan Reynolds gets one in the credits. So, if you add those four to our running total, we have, over the nine movies, 41 mentions of family. And that is where the F word itself is used. Not brotherhood, not anything like around the topic, but the actual F word is used no less than 41 times. It's all about family, guys. All right, guys, it's time to scatter, but this conversation isn't finished yet, which means you're getting a 10th day of Fast and Furious on Christmas Day. So come back tomorrow as Tessa, Megan, and I close out Monkey Off My Backlog's first limited series. In the meantime, tweet at us, email us, let us know all your Fast and Furious thoughts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at monkeybacklog and email us at monkeyoffmybacklog at gmail.com. You can find Megan on Twitter, Letterboxd, and pretty much anywhere else at SpellMegan. You can find Tessa on Twitter and Letterboxd at SuelaTessa, S-W-E-H-L-A. And you can find me on Twitter at Sam underscore Morris 9 and on Letterboxd at ArchieLeach9. Also, check out our regular weekly episodes of Monkey Off My Backlog, as well as our newest series, Monkey Nights. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I care about our family. What we have is so much deeper. Listen, real talk, can you believe that Game of Thrones ending?